Nicole was your typical hopeless romantic, moonlighting as a fanfiction writer. Claudia was a hard-headed activist with a YouTube channel and the mysterious past. When Nicole hit a deep funk in her writing, Claudia suggests one of her hidden passions, romance novels. Now the two have fallen into a world of endless handsome hunks, doe-eyed damsels, and lascivious lovers. It is now their sacred duty to rank these novels on three criteria. Their steaminess. I had to fan myself off. Their dreaminess. She's not missing anything without him, but he makes her life better. And their meaniness. Cal wouldn't be in some small town pie-eating contest. That's not why he left me. <laughs> Join our heroines every other week as they overcome unhealthy relationship archetypes, thesaurus-abusing authors, and anatomical inaccuracies to prove that love can conquer all on the Three Little Words Podcast, only on the Moonshot Network. Welcome to Alone at the Table. In this podcast, I play solo tabletop games, and I invite you along for the experience. My name is Audrey. Today's game is Village Witch by Kestrel Elliott. This is part two of my Village Witch series, Summer. You don't have to listen to part one to follow along with this part, but it will help give you some context for the character and the game. To briefly re-familiarize ourselves with this game, it is a game that uses tarot cards or a standard 52-card deck. You pull cards and answer prompts based upon them. At the beginning of each season, you roll a d6 to determine the location that you're in. My witch is named Anathema McCrady, using she-they pronouns. I'm playing in an Appalachian slash Weird West setting versus a high fantasy setting. The premise of the game is that you are a witch who has been assigned to a village, and you're going to travel to different villages each season, finding where you want to make your home now that you have finished your witch training. First things first, I had to roll for location for this season, and I rolled the desert. There's a series of questions that you answer about the location each time that you move. The first is why you left your last village. Anathema had a pretty rough time in the grasslands, lost some animals, inadvertently didn't cause a stampede, but certainly didn't help it. They had kind of positioned themselves outside of the village and had been thinking of themselves as this like capable loner, and that did not pan out well. So after the stampede, it seemed like it was time to move on, and now Anathema is in the desert at a new village. What does your house look like? There's a long series of questions about this. I'm just going to kind of describe the house rather than pause for each individual question. The new house is made of red adobe bricks, has canvas nailed over the windows to keep out the dirt and the creatures and the sun. Lots and lots of succulents, a huge succulent garden with a greenhouse out back. This house is located about a quarter mile outside of town, which is maybe not 
what Anathema would have sought out this time, but it was what was available to her. The village is small, but cheery. Buildings are built very close together. There's one main street that is shaded by canvas. Lots of side streets, parlors, front porches, verandas, that sort of thing. For all that this is, the desert people are spending time outdoors. One thing of note is that Anathema's house is haunted by an old gunslinger named Augustus Bevins. I haven't yet decided how Anathema feels about this haunting and whether or not they have experience with ghosts. The last question is, who did you first meet when you came to town? I've put that Anathema first met the town doctor. I think that that in general is kind of who she seeks out in a new place, both because they have some knowledge of like herbs and healing and sort of like an apothecary style. Also because if a town doesn't necessarily have a doctor specifically for animals, Anathema's animal magic can help them fill that role. And speaking to a town doctor, who would be the one by default who has to treat animals and people, will help her find out if that's a role that she's going to need to play. Next, there are some specific questions about how you're preparing your home for the season. So for summer in this new house, which naturally is going to collect desert sand and dust no matter how much you try to keep it out, Anathema is going to have to sweep out the floors, buy some blocks of ice and pack them in straw, bury the seeds that she's carried with her since springtime. Some may or may not grow here in the desert, whether or not that is with or without magic, we'll see. I think one thing that she does to make it kind of homey is um, hang up colored glass fragments as like sun catcher types and maybe even incorporates those into a few like bird feeders or animal feeders to attract local fauna. Then there's a question that's what do you enjoy about summer? Anathema, I think loves hiding in the shade with creatures who are also trying to stay cool the breeze before a storm. And here in the desert, although this is her first time living here, I think that they come to appreciate the vastness of the sky, especially at night. Last question. What is something you have learned since you started your journey? Keeping myself so separate and superior is a mistake. I have to try to be more welcoming. Okay, I am going to take a moment to read the lovely prompt for the summer season before I start pulling cards. Summer. The warmer winds of summer swirl around you, embracing the world so full of life that was nurtured through spring. The sun kisses the earth as barefooted children delight in running through the warm dirt. My first card is the Empress. As last time, I am playing with the Anima Mundi Tarot deck by Megan Weirweeden. The Empress in this deck is represented by the Peony, specifically a purple Peony. If you've never seen a Peony before, they are a flower of many layers. 
they're easy to make out of tissue paper kind of because of the way it crinkles and sits like atop itself really feels the same way that the petals fall. They come in a lot of different colors and they grow as like a small shrubby bush with really stinky roots if you try to dig them up. Choose a villager you would like to connect with and invite them over. How do you prepare? What do you discuss? After the visit, how do you feel about the connection? When I first met Franklin Ledoux, she was chasing a locomotive hatchling down the main street of the village. She quite literally ran into me. I'd noticed the railroad when I came in, of course. Thought it funny that a small place like this would have so few residents with a railroad so close. But it turns out the tracks were laid by the local locomotive. When you build a locomotive with magic, you're toying with the way it might function. You get your mundane trains made by steel workers and mechanics, but when you use magic to speed the process up, there's no telling how it'll turn out. In this case, it's turned a bit wild. It lays out track bit like a spider, but kind of in reverse, so that it can move forward on the tracks it's spitting out. Now, I'm not sure how the whole hatchling situation happened. I didn't get around to asking Frankie that, but I'm getting off track. Frankie knocked me down in the dust, and just as quickly helped me get back up and roped me into chasing down this locomotive with her. It's a funny thing to see a train engine barely the size of a deer. We managed to run it down behind the sundry store. My magic was no help at all, really. Not in this case. It didn't even occur to me to use it. Once Frankie had gotten chains on the wheels of the creature, she introduced herself properly. It's Franklin Ledoux. Apparently, she's been traveling wherever this wild locomotive has been going. She talks a mile a minute. I hardly had time to introduce myself before she was exclaiming, oh yes, you must be the witch, and what kind of magic do you do? It's as though she weren't the strangest thing with her locomotives. People know about witches. Living locomotives are much less common. Somehow or another, I guess I invited her to come over for dinner. I honestly have no recollection. Talking to that woman's like talking to a windstorm. I had to stop in at the general store to get food for dinner, and then I headed home. I wasn't really sure how to receive a guest. Might sound silly, but at school we were all on equal footing. Making friends was easy when you were all going through the same things. Making friends with a stranger is harder. I swept the house, made sure I had full feeders for the animals. There's a pair of wrens that have been coming by, and I thought I might be able to see them through the window while she was here. I'm a fair hand at cooking, but I did try harder than I would have if it was just me. It was only a simple stew, but when Frankie showed up, you'd have thought that I had made a four-course feast, the way that she made such a hullabaloo about it. 
We got to talking so much, her about locomotives and me about magic and school and eventually about horses, both of us talking about horses, that dinner got cold. We ate it. Even cold, it was fine. At some point, she asked me to call her Frankie. I braced myself. I thought for sure, after all the conversation and food, there would be an ask. There's always an ask. That's why the witch comes to town. That is my job. I am here to help. But she didn't ask. I kind of wish she had, so I'd have an excuse to see her again. Yeah. It's a small town. I'm bound to run into her, right? Tending locomotives ain't an easy job. Best to put her from my mind as a, as a friendly acquaintance. I need to do some work with the scorpions in the area, I think. There's quite a lot of them, and I'm not sure that the desert can sustain the population, or that people would take kindly to having that large of a scorpion population in the first place. My next card is the Six of Swords. While walking outside near your house, you find a crystal in the ground dropped by a previous occupant. You clean it up and cleanse its energy. What does it look like? Do you incorporate it into your own practice or give it to someone else? This game is sending me in a direction. Coming back from checking the burrowing owls in the saguaro, something shiny caught my eye in the waxing moonlight. It was caked in dirt. Its surface was cloudy from sand and muck, but it was a crystal of some kind, neatly cut, so I knew it wasn't just something the land gave me. Then when I got home and walked into the house, Augustus made such a ruckus, started throwing my implements and pots and pans around, I eventually had to drop the crystal and tell him to hush. He thankfully quieted after that. He doesn't talk as such. Likes to manifest in the corner and stare at me silently. It's a friendly sort of staring, I think. I didn't dare touch the crystal again while I was tidying up, but before I went to bed, I put a question to him, asking if I might at least clean it up for him. Put it in a place where it would catch the sunlight. I went to sleep after that. And in the morning, there was a passage in one of my books highlighted. And this is a nice place. And we could be happy here. With or without that ring, we could be happy here. So I like to read romance sometimes. Sue me. I took that to mean... That Augustus was fine with me cleaning up the gemstone, I suppose it might properly be called. Figured it wasn't my place to inquire into his tragedy and he might pull some more shenanigans with my books if he wanted to communicate more. He came out of his corner while I was cleaning it. I think it's tough for him to manifest in daylight, but he managed it the whole time that I was putting it to rights. I set it on the windowsill, and for good measure, I set a dried bouquet of roses, daisies, and some of the grass that grew on the plains in the last village. It felt appropriate. 
I hope whoever that gemstone was for, they have an appreciation for it. My next card is the High Priestess, which in this deck depicts a great barn owl. You take a day of solitude, stillness, and self-reflection. Care for yourself as you reflect on your life. It has always been my nature to be solitary. This day feels different, though. It is common practice to take days of solitude, to reflect, to be in tune with your magic. They drilled it into us at school that we must always take the time to cultivate our minds and spirits. But I have taken so many days alone. I think that that is what caused my failure in the last village. Much of my work is with the wildlife here, but I've found companionship, working with the doctor, taking care of people's horses, taking care of people's cattle, getting to know Frankie and Riggs at the general store. I don't think I am much for solitude today. I think that the more healing thing for my spirit would be to be in the company of others. I think that I will take tonight for myself to be under the stars in this vast, vast land, so different from where I, where I grew up. But for today, for today, I'm going to go have a drink and listen to some music with my friends. My next card is the Knight of Cups. In this deck, that depicts a bottlenose dolphin. You need help from someone else. What do you need, and who do you go to? I am exhausted. What a day this has been. I was out in the desert, per usual, in the gully, looking at some lizards. I've been trying to see if their tails will make a component. I wait till they shed them, of course. I don't want to cause them undue pain. The scales from them, even those I think could be potent. A storm rolled in so fast I had barely any time to react, and before I knew it, there's a flash flood in the gully. I slipped, wrenched my ankle, knocked my head, shouted some words that I must have accidentally put some magic into, because before I knew it, one of the lizards was much, much bigger than it ought to have been. And both of us were swept down in a rush of water and silt and sand as it kicked up, half buried. I could feel that I was going to need a doctor for my leg. Something wasn't right with it, to say nothing of the lizard. I managed to hang on to his back. He went where he would for quite a while, till I got him to calm down. Talking lizard is a funny thing. There's a lot of tongue, you know, the way it goes in and out. But eventually I got him to go to the train yard. I could have had him 
take me all the way into town, I guess, but he was getting real nervous, and I needed to set him right, and I knew Frankie would be there this time of day. I shrunk the lizard, told him he could slip into my pocket and make a home with me, since I'd dragged him so far from his fellows. So I showed up on Frankie's porch, wet, muddy, I'm sure my face was streaked a mess, hair bedraggled, limping, lizard in my pocket. Still, she let me in. She laughed. Thought she was going to cry, laughing, seeing me. Then she realized I was limping and, well, I can't recall being fussed over like that before in my lifetime. It was nice. She got me into dry clothes with some tea and my leg propped up and then went for the doctor. She left me with Rutgard, which is what she's taken to calling the locomotive hatchling. He doesn't seem any bigger to me now than he did when I first arrived, though it's been at least a, a month and a half, maybe two at this reckoning. I also say he, but maybe I should say it? I'll have to ask Frankie. By the time she got back with the doctor, it was getting on supper time. He wrapped my leg up, told me not to walk on it if I could help it, not to jostle it on a horse if I could help it. So I stayed at Frankie's. She insisted. I said I would go, but, well, she's as much a force of nature as that flash flood was. When I woke the next morning, she insisted that I take a trip with her, the big one, Dragon. I couldn't very well argue. It was going to be a smoother ride than any critter, and I couldn't very well walk on my leg. And then when we got to my place, she insisted on staying and helping me out till I was well again. I told her Doc could just come check on me, but she insisted. And truth be told, I didn't argue much. I like having her around. I think maybe that's why I should leave. I think it'll be too hard if I don't leave now. I can't resist drawing one more card even after that entry, so... My next card is the Eight of Cups. You save someone. Who and from what? I'm packing to go. I have to. There's a bounty on my head now. But what else could I have done? Company men came, trying to claim that Dragon, the locomotive, was theirs by rights, and that Rutgard was too. They started asking around town. They're no better than poachers, trying to find a creature they think that they own when it's its own thing. Someone, I guess, told them about Frankie. Or maybe they spotted the steam. Either way, they showed up at her place while I was there. We've taken to having lunch together. Once a week, usually. Sometimes more. The thing is, they showed up waving guns around, threatening her and saying something about her being a a thief or, or just demanding that she forfeit the engines. But the thing is, I've seen these things. They're creatures. They've got their own instincts. They've got drives the same way a wild thing would. They're not machines the way that a train is. 
and I might not be able to talk to them the way that I talk to a horse or a bird, but I can defend them all the same. I could tell you that I'm sorry for having called up those scorpions to sting those men, but I ain't, and I'd do it again. When they were lying there dead in the dirt, I kissed Frankie's cheek and I told her goodbye. I knew she'd say we should leave together, but I can't do it. I told her to run, to make for the coast, be harder for any sort of company man to find her out there, and there's always a need for witches. So I'll find a place to be. Spirits, I wish it was with her, but this is my path now. I dare any company man to come after me. Any sort of authority to tell me I was wrong for what I did when those creatures are intelligent. It's time I leave. On to the next place. Wow. Well, okay. Let's take a second to come out of the fiction and come back to ourselves and real life. We are here together. That was a nice story we were telling. I genuinely did not intend to take the story in any of that direction. I knew that I had had the idea floating around to do some sort of living train at some point. This felt like a fine place to introduce it. It took a weird turn. It took a hard turn into Wild West more than Appalachia. And I do think that that's because of the desert setting. This is a longer episode than part one, and it felt appropriate to be that way. I was lukewarm in part one on the idea of not having a specific trigger to move you to the next season, but I'm coming around on it. I do like trusting my instincts in terms of where a story should go. I am very much an editor more than I am a writer, which is to say that for me, it's a lot easier to revise once something is on the page and to see how it flows and to make it flow better because I can kind of see how it all needs to come together. So this raw creation and just having to trust myself to do story beats and see how they come out, you're getting the raw product here. Like I will cut out silences and mistakes, but I'm not going to cut out bits of my playthrough for you guys. So this is a fun experiment, and the game flow is really nice in that regard of just being able to choose what seems appropriate. So when I decided to draw that last card and it came up as you save someone, who else could it have been but Frankie, right? Anathema will be back in part three in the fall, but that's it for today. You can find me at Lady Tabletop online on itch.io and tumblr.com, and you can email the show at aloneatthetablepod at gmail.com. If you'd like your game to be featured, or you have feedback or comments or suggestions or questions, please feel free to email me or find me on social media. 
If you like the show, consider giving us a rating or a review, especially on iTunes. That really helps other people find the show. Alone at the Table is part of the Moonshot Podcast Network, a group of cool people doing streams and podcasts and all kinds of fun stuff. You can find all our shows at moonshotpods.com. That's all I have for you today. Thanks for coming along on this experience with me. 